bringing you the latest in tax credit news, this is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need legislation. we got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these mixed signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, November 17th. 2015. This week, six years ago, then-Senate Banking Committee Chairman Chris Dodd unveiled a bill proposing the most significant changes to financial regulation since the Great Depression. Of course, I'm talking about legislation that would later evolve into the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act. The bill was eventually signed into law July 21, 2010. One of the provisions was the Volcker Rule which limits certain equity investments by financial institutions. The final rule did include an exclusion for public welfare investments and historic rehabilitations, so the Volcker Rule does not have a dramatic effect on tax credit equity investments. That's in most areas. A notable exception is renewable energy. I should note, Congress is currently considering changes to Dodd-Frank. The current House Financial Services Committee Chairman, Jeb Hensling, has passed a series of individual bills. Senate Banking, Housing, Urban Affairs Committee Chairman Richard Shelby has passed a more comprehensive regulatory reform bill, portions of which may be included in the omnibus spending bill. We'll start off our podcast this week with the general news section, where I'll have updates on where Congress stands on highway and transit funding, as well as tax extender discussions. In our affordableizing section, I'll share a HUD proposal that could ban smoking at all public housing properties. In new market tax credit news, I'll share updates to the 2015 New Markets Tax Credit online application and the Q&A document, changes designed to make applying easier for CDEs. Then, we'll move on to historic tax credit news, where I'll tell you about which historic tax credit industry leader is set to retire, and who was chosen as his successor. And we'll close out with the Renewable Energy News, where I'll discuss 14, yes, 14 bills that were introduced to extend provisions of the investment tax credit. I'll also talk about why nearly 50 businesses in Illinois are asking their federal representatives to extend the production and investment tax credits. If you're ready, let's get started. In general news, federal highway and transportation funding is scheduled to expire this Friday, November 20th. The House and Senate last week appointed their representatives to negotiate federal road and transit funding in conference. Senate leaders appointed seven Republicans and six Democrats. Among those senators are Senator James Inhofe, a Republican from Oklahoma, and Barbara Boxer, a Democrat from California. Both are top members of the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee. Also included are Senators Orrin Hatch of Utah and Ron Wyden of Oregon. Both are leaders of the Senate Finance Committee. Meanwhile, the House also appointed its conferees, 16 Republicans and 12 Democrats. Included are Representatives Bill Schuster, a Republican from Pennsylvania, and Peter DeFazio, a Democrat from Oregon. Schuster and DeFazio are the top-ranking members of the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. While lawmakers are close to reaching an agreement, 
they may need a few days past the deadline on Friday to enact a final long-term bill. It's looking like that extension could be through December 4th. At one point, it appeared possible that the final long-term bill might serve as a legislative vehicle for tax extenders legislation, but that does not appear likely anymore. As you know, tax extenders are the more than 50 temporary tax provisions that were allowed to expire at the end of last year. Businesses are urging Congress for long-term or permanent extensions of the provisions. Fortunately, they can count the heads of congressional tax writing committees as allies. New House Ways and Means Chairman Kevin Brady and Senate Finance Committee Chairman Orrin Hatch have both voiced support for tax extenders. Brady told the Wall Street Journal after he was elected Ways and Means Chairman that promoting permanent tax extenders will be one of his priorities this year. Brady said that permanence creates certainty for the economy and is what he calls honest scorekeeping. Meanwhile, Chairman Hatch also supports a longer-term extension of the tax provisions. Under his leadership, the Senate Finance Committee marked up a two-year extenders package that passed out of committee in July. However, the full Senate has yet to consider it. One major challenge for Congress to pass an extenders deal that will be approved by the President. The White House has said on many occasions that the President would veto any long-term extenders bill that is not offset with other savings. The administration expressed concerns about the cost of legislation that makes several costly business extenders permanent without offsetting revenue-raising provisions. A cost of $500 billion or more is not inconceivable with such legislation. However, the president has not issued a veto threat on the issue of cost just yet. The Obama administration has also said it would oppose permanence for business extenders if other enhancements were not made permanent. These other enhancements would include the Earned Income Tax Credit, the Child Tax Credit, and American Opportunity Tax Credit. For now, the tax credit community stands on several question marks. Can Congress approve, or should I say agree, on a tax extenders package that the White House would approve? What would that deal look like? Will it include permanent low-compensing tax credit minimum rates and a permanent new market tax credit? And when would that deal be reached? Well, these questions remain unanswered as of now. In the meantime, the tax credit community is also asking itself what it can do to get ready for the possibility of an extension. I actually answer that question in my Washington Wire column that appears in the November issue of the Novogratic Journal of Tax Credits. I share some pointers on what developers and investors can do now to maximize potential benefits later. If you don't have a subscription to the Novogratz Journal of Tax Credits yet, you can sign up at www.novogratz.com journal. In our affordable housing section, I have news that could affect all public housing authorities. Last week, HUD proposed a rule that would require smoke-free policies at all public housing nationwide. It would affect more than 700,000 units. HUD notes that 500,000 of those apartments are inhabited by either elderly or disabled residents who face greater health risks from smoking and secondhand smoke. The proposed rule would prohibit lit tobacco products in all living units, indoor common areas, and administrative office buildings. The prohibition would extend to outdoor areas within 25 feet of housing and administrative buildings. There would be no smoking in other restricted areas, such as near playgrounds. 
One option included in the proposal is for public housing authorities to simply make their entire grounds smoke-free. The proposal would give public housing authorities 18 months from the time of the effective date of the final rule to have their non-smoking policies in place. The PHAs would be required to document their smoke-free policies and include the rules in all leases. The Council of Large Public Housing Authorities commended the proposal in a press release. However, the group also called for more financial support from HUD for both implementing the smoke-free policies and to generally make upgrades that would improve the health of residents. The proposed rule emphasizes that it would not prohibit residents from smoking. It would merely forbid them from smoking in certain areas. In fact, the proposed rule specifically says that PHAs should continue leasing to people who smoke. The New York Times reports that since the federal government began pressing for smoking bans in public housing six years ago, nearly 600 agencies have voluntarily banned indoor smoking, and that affects about 200,000 households. A study last year by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention estimated that a nationwide smoke-free policy in public housing would result in an annual savings of about $153 million. That includes health care costs, reduced costs for painting and cleaning, and fewer fires. There are a few types of public housing that won't be covered by this proposal, most notably public housing units and mixed finance buildings. Now, HUD is accepting comments on the proposal with a due date of 60 days after the publication in the Federal Register. You can read the proposed rule and see how to comment at www.hudresourcecenter.com. Hover over the HUD tab and click on Guidance. The notice is in the Federal Register's Notices section. And I'd like to hear your opinion. Do you support HUD's proposed ban on all indoor smoking? Yes or no? You can cast your vote on this week's Tax Credit Tuesday poll posted on my Twitter feed. My Twitter handle is at Novogratic. Go there and vote. Once again, do you support HUD's proposed ban on all indoor smoking? Yes or no? In New Markets Tax Credit news, the electronic application for the 2015 round of the New Market Tax Credit program is now available. Applicants must apply through the CDFI Fund's Awards Management Information System, or AMIS. The CDFI Fund published the Notice of Allocation Availability for the 2015 round in the Federal Register on October 21st. There are a few deadlines that applicants should have on their radar. First, the deadline to submit applications is December 16th at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. That being said, applicants should know that the CDFI Fund will stop responding to questions about the electronic application at 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern on December 14th, two days before. Also, online application attachments are due December 18th. And also, in terms of other deadlines, by January 29, 2016, prior allocatees must meet qualified equity investment issuance requirements. All application materials including frequently asked questions and application presentations, are available at www.cdfifund.gov. Or you can learn more at www.newmarketscredits.com. On a related note, the CDFI Fund issued an updated version of the application Q&A document. My partner Brad Elphick in our Atlanta Metro office notes that the modified Q&A clarifies two issues that were raised by stakeholders. One of the concerns was that the application required Q2 
Community Development Entities, or CDEs, to describe all potential pipeline projects in full detail in question 17. That requirement would have been difficult for CDEs with a large pipeline because of the question's character limit. In the 2015 allocation application, applicants will have an additional 2,000 words to answer question 17. Brad notes that the Q&I also makes an important point that will make life a little bit easier for CDEs creating a loan or equity pool to finance smaller dollar or revolving qualified low-income community investments. The city of Ivan does not, does not, I repeat, expect applicants to describe each individual transaction. Instead, the applicant describes the investments as a group. Now, if you have any questions about the application, I encourage you to contact Brad Elphick or a Novogratic partner near you. In historic tax credit news, I have a big announcement that was made last week by the National Trust Community Investment Corporation, or NTCIC. That's a subsidiary of the National Trust for Historic Preservation. NTCIC's president and founder, John Lee Tetrell, will retire at the end of this year. John has been with the National Trust for 21 years, including 15 years with NTCIC. As many of you know, John's one of the pioneers of twinning historic and new market tax credits. He is also the founder and chairman of the Historic Tax Credit Coalition. John will stay on as the Historic Tax Credit Coalition chairman. In addition, John is a regular contributor to the Novogratz Journal of Tax Credits. When John steps down, Merrill Hubengarner will take his place as NTCIC's president. Merrill has structured and closed more than $1 billion in financing with historic new markets and low-income housing tax credits. Most recently, she was a principal at Advantage Capital Partners. Before that, she worked as an attorney at Nixon Peabody. Merrill will take up her new post in January. Congratulations to John on his retirement and to Merrill on her new appointment. In renewable energy tax credit news, a Florida congressman introduced a flurry of legislation earlier this month to extend provisions of the investment tax credit. A total of 14 bills were introduced by Representative Alan Grayson, a Democrat in his third term. They apply to seven different types of energy covered by Internal Revenue Code Section 48, the ITC. For each provision, Grayson offered one bill to extend the ITC for one year and another bill to extend the credit for two years. Grayson's individual pieces of legislation covered property that included small wind, energy, and solar. Currently, the credit is set to drop from 30% to 10% at the end of 2016. Representative Grayson's legislation would extend that expiration date to the end of 2018. At the time of this recording, there were no co-sponsors on any of the 14 bills, which were all assigned to the House Ways and Means Committee. Grayson, by the way, is not on the House Ways and Means Committee. Peter Lawrence in our Washington, D.C. office observes that these bills are likely message bills, meaning they're not necessarily expected to advance and or get much in the way of co-sponsors. But they are meant to signal grace and support of the renewable energy industry in general. By the way, Grayson is running for Florida's U.S. Senate seat that's being vacated by current Senator Marco Rubio. Because Representative Patrick Murphy is considered the favorite among most establishment Democrats, introducing this legislation may be an effort by Grayson to strengthen his profile in the renewable energy community. For more information on renewable energy tax credits, you can visit www.energytaxcredits.com. In other news, 
A group of nearly 50 organizations recently sent a letter to congressional representatives from Illinois calling for extensions of the production tax credit and the investment tax credit. The letter was signed by renewable energy companies and business advocacy groups. The recipients were Senator Mark Kirk and Representatives Bob Dold and Peter Roskam. As you know, the production tax credit expired at the end of 2014, and the investment tax credit is set to drop from 30% to 10% at the end of 2016. The two tax credits have helped create more than 6,800 jobs in Illinois in the wind and solar sectors, according to the letter. The letter also said that the credits have brought more than $7 billion in investment to the state since 2005. The Department of Energy says Illinois ranks fifth in the nation for installed wind generation. However, the advocacy letter warned that the state's energy growth momentum is at risk. Repeated short-term extensions have particularly hurt the wind industry, creating a boom and bust cycle. And of course, the need for predictable tax policy extends beyond Illinois. Expiration of the production tax credit and step-down of the investment tax credit poses a threat to the wind and solar community and jobs created by that community across the country. The letter estimates that the jobs of approximately 73,000 wind workers and 174,000 solar workers nationwide are at risk. To learn about proposals to extend the Renewable Energy Investment Tax Credit and Production Tax Credits, go to www.energytaxcredits.com and click on the Legislation tab. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. I invite you to join me again next week for another Tax Credit Tuesday. Also, there's still time to submit nominations for the Novogratic Renewable Energy Power Awards. The awards honor outstanding developments that use federal renewable energy investment tax credits, production tax credits, or Section 1603 grant funds. Nominations are due within the next 30 days, by Thursday, December 17th. You can find nomination material at www.novaco.com awards. That's it for now. This is Michael Novogratz. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratz and Company, LLP. Archived discussions are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. Novogratz and Company, LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.